0: This is Linux Reality, Episode 4, An Overview of Linux Distributions. All right, well, welcome back, everybody. Um, This is your host, Chess Griffin. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, welcome. Um, Hope you like what you hear and hope that you'll stay subscribed. Uh, I call this a podcast for the new Linux user. And it's really a podcast for for you know new users who who have maybe never used Linux at all and and are just kind of curious. So um, I welcome you and and look forward to hearing your thoughts and comments on the show. Uh, in this episode, we've kind of got a lot to to talk about. It's pretty exciting. So I'm going to get to some listener feedback and uh, respond to some emails, and then we're going to turn to the main topic, which is going back to our distrowatch.com website that we talked about last time and comparing some Linux distributions and talking about some of the differences and maybe start to narrow some down that we'll want to look at more closely. I think it'll be uh, some good information for sort of a basis for our future episodes. But before that, there's a couple of administrative things I want to, I want to get to. Um, check out the Frapper Map. The Frapper Map is a, uh, it's a service that use the Google Maps and it lets people um, kind of as a group sort of put little virtual push pins on the world map and let people know where they're from, kind of like a guestbook or something. And uh, There's no registration. It's free. You don't even need to use your real name or anything. You can use initials or handle. I just ask that you check it out and, and do put down where you're actually from because I think it would be kind of cool to see where all of our Linux Reality listeners are from. Uh, it's amazing. We've already got people in several different countries, and uh, it's just really exciting. This it just goes to show that the internet and the Linux community is truly a global village. And uh, so, I look forward to seeing where everybody's from. The second thing is, let me know your idea, or let me know your thoughts on having site forums. Several people posted comments and sent me emails about having forums on the website. There's a post on there about the Frapper map, and I in that post, I also ask about forums. So feel free to post a comment there or send me an email, linuxreality at gmail.com, and just let me know. You know, thumbs up, thumbs down on the idea of having forums. My only concerns are being able to moderate it and being able to respond to posts. Uh, hopefully, you know, there'll be more users as time goes on, and users will be able to help each other. I won't, you know, I just don't know if I'll be able to answer every single post, but, uh, so that's really my two main concerns. And the last thing is I really would love your help on, on letting people know about this podcast. I think it's uh, it's been exciting. The growth has been tremendous. The number of listeners is really amazing, and it continues to go up every single day. Um, so you know, let your friends and family know, people you think might be interested. Maybe help them get subscribed if they don't know how to do it. This uh, podcast is available in iTunes, and you can also get it through Odeo and a couple other online places, um, there's a link in Podcast Alley to it, and, uh, of course, the feed is on the home page. So um, let people know about it. Let, let uh, new Linux users know about it, and maybe Windows and Mac users who are interested and maybe have never tried Linux, please let them know about this podcast. We're here to help everybody. So I do appreciate your your help on that. So with that stuff out of the way, let's check out some listener feedback. Message for you, son. Okay. Um, I've got a few emails I'm going to read here. Um, I got a lot this week. I uh, won't be able to get to all of them, but wanted to, uh, r- read a couple of them here. Uh, first one is from, uh, Brian and, uh, Brian writes, um, I just wanted to send a note and say congrats on getting the podcast started. I really like it and it wasn't hard to follow. I've only been using Linux for a year and a half and it will be right up my alley. Anyway, just wanted to say, keep up the good work and if you need any help, feel free to ask. Thanks Brian. Uh, thanks so much for sending that along. Um, I appreciate that, and, and, uh, you know, you you mentioned about asking, uh, you know, if I needed any help. One idea I have for down the road is I may solicit um, uh, listener contributions for content, so I will definitely keep you in mind for that. I I do appreciate the offer, and uh, that's definitely something I'm going to be considering for down the road. Next one I've got here is uh, from, from a listener named JB. He says, Hi, I'm JB, and I just started to listen to your podcast. It's great. Something about Linux I can listen to and learn something about it. I just started Linux about two months ago because I have a very old Win95 and it wasn't compatible with much anymore. Well, I still, don't know, I still don't know much about how to use it, but I think your podcast can help me do that. Thanks for the podcast. P.S. I also suggested a form, but since you just started, I don't know how that would go, but it would be cool. Thank you, JB. Um, I appreciate that. Glad to hear that you've switched over from Windows 95 to Linux, and I do hope that this podcast will help you uh, learn a little bit and um, about the forms. That's, again, something I am um, asking for feedback on. In fact, somebody else mentioned that as well, and that was uh, James. Uh, he wrote me this email, and he said, "Chess, great show. I ran across your podcast while looking for new shows at Podcast Alley. I'm a Windows developer, and I've been trying to get started with Linux, but I just haven't found the time or motivation. This show sounds like just a thing to finally get me started. Also, I like the idea of a form that was mentioned on the site. I look forward to the next show. That's from James. Um, and then I've got a last one here uh, from Herman. It says, Hi there. I'm a Power Windows user, whatever that means, right? I do love Windows, not itself, but all the great software that is available for it. I've invested so much into Windows that I really never considered switching to Linux, but I'm willing to learn more from it. I do not know anything about Linux, and your show is just perfect for me. I love it. Thank you very much. Please keep it up. Thank you so much, Herman and James for sending those along. Uh, you guys are really awesome and um, I'm I'm really uh, getting some awesome feedback from listeners and uh, uh, it's it's very encouraging. Uh, so please feel free to send uh, feedback by email or send me an audio clip uh, at uh, linuxreality at gmail.com and as I mentioned last week, I'm going to sort of take a few minutes here each episode and read some emails and uh, sort of respond to folks as they ask questions and as I mentioned, a couple of these people um, brought up the idea of forms, so you know, please do let me know about that. Uh, I look forward to getting your feedback. So with that, let's turn to the main segment, an overview of Linux distributions. Well, you may remember from the uh, last episode that I mentioned a website called DistroWatch, and DistroWatch is it really is great. I think we're going to come back to this website from time to time as I sort of point out distributions along the way because it's a good starting point. Um, You know, you may remember from last episode, I pointed out how how there's links to uh, certain, you know, to pages within DistroWatch about each distribution. And then in those sections, they have uh, links to the home pages of each of each distro. So um, what I wanted to do is kind of go through several distributions here, just kind of give you sort of a high level overview of them, explain some of the background uh, of some of these distros, just so you can kind of get a sense of what's going on out there. And, um, you know, in the next couple of episodes, we're going to narrow it down to a few that we're going to really look at closely. But, um, this is sort of an overview. The thing to con, you know, one thing to remember about these distributions as you look at the, uh, as you look at the list of them on the right hand side on DistroWatch is that there's a lot of different kinds of distributions. The neat thing about Linux is because it, it, what, you know, it's the kernel plus those GNU compilers and libraries plus whatever you decide to put with it, uh, the neat thing about that is that people can tailor distributions to meet different needs. So, for example, there are some distributions that are uh, put together solely uh, for desktop users only, and it's not supposed to be like a like a server or anything. There are other distributions that are only a server. You know, they don't provide any desktop-type applications. Um, there are other distributions on here that are that are um, you know it's a, it's like a firewall it's a it's an actual distribution that that can that Linux is a great firewall. Um, one thing people don't realize is that firewalls are really even a hardware firewall box that you buy from CompUSA or someplace really runs an operating system on it and in fact a lot of them run Linux. Uh, Linux is a great firewall and there are certain distributions that are tailored to for that specifically. Um, there are other distributions that are sort of bleeding-edge you know testing they may they may provide a a, a way to test some some really cutting-edge technology that's not really available or not really ready for prime time so there's a lot of different kinds of distributions on here we're gonna of course focus on the ones for desktop use only so with that in mind let's take a look at a few of them one more thing before we get started we'll go into more detail on this later but there are two different there are sort of two different types of distributions in the sense of, of of installing it. Most distributions are intended to be installed onto the hard drive, and there are other distributions that are uh, called live CDs, and it's really, really neat. What it is is the entire operating system, runs off of the CD itself. Nothing gets installed. You just put the CD in your CD-ROM. You you know restart your computer. You know you boot to the CD rather than booting to your hard drive where maybe Windows is installed. And then the whole thing runs off the CD. It's really cool. A couple disadvantages is it's, it's going to be slower than if you had it installed on your hard drive. Um, and the other disadvantage is because it's just running in memory You know, it's not physically installed. It's not permanent. You know, nothing you do can be saved. Now, there are ways to save some stuff to a USB stick or something like that, but, but just sort of generally speaking, you know, a live CD, you kind of run it, play with it, test it out, and then you, you know, you shut back down and and you're done. Um, But the good thing about live CDs is it's a great way to test out distributions before you actually install them. So we are going to, be kind of focusing on live cds at least initially so all right, looking at this list uh, specifically um, let's kind of uh, zero in on maybe the top twenty and i'm not going to read each one here but i'm going to skip a few but there's a few i'm going to point out the very top one you notice there's one called ubuntu now i'm going to come back to ubuntu um, but the one thing i'll say about it is it's a relatively new distribution it's been around a couple of years and, um, it's, it's gotten a lot of press. A lot of people use Ubuntu. It's very popular. I'll get to more detail on that in a minute. Uh, the second one listed is one called SUSE or SUSE. Now, um, SUSE, uh, is a German, originally a German, uh, Linux distribution. And I've used SUSE in the past. I, I don't use it now, but, uh, SUSE used to be, Um, somewhat proprietary. They had some sort of proprietary control center type software and installers and stuff. But what SUSE did a few years, well, about a year ago or so, they were purchased by a company called Novell. Novell is a company that has its own operating system called NetWare, but they have been interested in Linux and and open source software for some time, and they bought SUSE about a year ago or so. And they ended up opening the whole project up to the community. And now the project is called OpenSUSE. So let's click on the SUSE link here in the right-hand side of DistroWatch. And you'll be taken to the page about SUSE, And you'll see it says the home page is www.opensusa.org. And let's take a look at some of these links here because I think this will be helpful. Um, you'll see how these pages within DistroWatch work. You'll see the name of the distribution, SUSE Linux. Homepage is opensusa.org. Origin, Germany. Mailing lists. You have a link to some mailing lists. User forums. Now, this is sort of a, a hierarchical list of, of forums, meaning the top, the first one listed is usually sort of the official forum. And, um, and then there'll be some some you know, other third-party forums listed afterwards, or maybe forums in different languages. So there is an official forums, and I think it's called susaforums.net, and uh, so that will be a good place to look at if you decide to go with this distribution down the road. They have links to the uh, documentation that's available. They have links to the mirrors where you can download the CD. And don't worry about all this detail. We're gonna, ex- I'm gonna explain all this down the road about downloading and CDs and all of that. But I'm just explaining how these pages within DistroWatch work. Then there's a section called Related Websites, and these are like, you know, fan sites and, and other sites that are about SUSE. Then there's a big section on reviews, and it's broken down by, by version. So 10.1 at the top, then 10.0, then 9.3, and, and on down the list. Then there's a little, if you skip down a little bit, there's a little, distri- you know, little description. It says about SUSE Linux, and it has a little blurb about it. And then scrolling down further, you'll see a table of, of the versions and what's included. And it's, it gets very complicated, but you'll see along the top the, the version number. And 10.1 beta 6, that means it's currently in beta, I mean it's currently being tested. So the most recent sort of stable version is 10.0. And you can scroll down the list and read about what's included some of the packages that are included. I think DistroWatch just kind of uh, lists sort of primary packages. So, you know, as a way to compare distributions. So SUSE Linux is a great distribution. It's it's very nice looking. It's really, it's got a lot of great features. The one downside to it um, is that it comes on a lot of CDs. Right now it's on five CDs, Um I like to stick with ones that are on just one or two, Um, and I think SUSE is going to be fixing that, so you only need a couple CDs to get started, but as of now, it it does come on five CDs. So click on your back button on your browser, and let's go back to the main page. The next one is Mandriva. That's a, a... A distribution uh, used to be called Mandrake Linux, and that was actually the very first Linux distribution I used, Mandrake uh, version 8.0 or 8.1. And uh, that's also a very um, user-friendly distribution. The next one is called Fedora. Now, Fedora is interesting. Fedora is actually... Uh, basically, you know, Red Hat. I'm sure you've heard about Red Hat. And if you scroll down the list, you'll see Red Hat's listed separately. Re- currently, Red Hat's number 23. Um, several years ago, Red Hat used to be sort of one entity. They would they would release a commercial version of Linux, and they would release a you know a desktop version or a community version of Linux. And um, they decided several years ago to split those apart. So the company Red Hat now really just sells its its commercial enterprise you know business class Linux, and like SUSE, they split off their their regular Linux distribution and, and sort of handed it over to the community, and you know these community initiatives are really cool and really fantastic. It's great to see companies sort of thinking outside the box. They what 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 Red Hat did is they said okay basically here community here take take our Red Hat Linux. You know let's change the name because red hat is a is a trademark name let's call it Fedora or the Fedora project, and the community can run it you know the community can vote on on who controls it and and updates it and that kind of thing and then Red Hat will sort of monitor that and and take back changes and fixes and bug bug fixes and things and and put it into its into its, into its enterprise Linux. So it's a great way for a company. It shows the power of open source because the company can use the community to sort of test things out, see what works and then, and then take from that. And that's all perfectly fine under the GPL, you know, the license we talked about in episode two. Uh, but it's a great symbiotic relationship between the, um, um, company and the community. So both, Red Hat and SUSE have done that, have sort of opened up their projects to the community and then also use it uh, as a way to to, to prop up their, their commercial distribution. So Fedora is a great distribution um, as well. The next one, Mepis, this might be one we take a close look at. Mepis is a live CD that is on a single CD that you can then boot up Um, And what's neat about Mepis is it includes a way for you to install it onto your hard drive. So let's say, for example, you you boot it up, you like it, you play with it for a while, you you think it works, you can then choose to install it sort of as is. Um, Some other live CDs are just a live CD. Uh, It can't be installed. You have to then go get a different version to install, and that's the way Ubuntu works. But um, Mepis is a very desktop-oriented, new-user type of distribution. Most of the distributions listed above that, Fedora, Mandriva, Suse, Ubuntu, a lot of these distributions try to stay true to the open-source ideals initially. And what I mean by that is they only release their distributions with free software. And that's capital F free, meaning freedom, meaning no restriction. They don't include proprietary software. You know, a good example of that is, you know, the Flash plugin for your browser or Java or perhaps, um, your, you know, the, uh, drivers for your Nvidia graphics cards. Or maybe, um, another example would be a little plugin to be able to play MP3 songs. Those are proprietary pieces of software that are typically not included in those distributions. Mepis, however, has decided to include those pieces of of software. Now, those pieces of software are free, you know, small f, meaning they don't cost anything. doesn't cost anything to include Java or Flash or the MP3 thing. Uh, Well, maybe not the MP3, but Flash and Java are free, but they're not capital F free. Uh, but some distributions decide to include them and some don't. And Mepis does include them, which makes it a little bit easier for new users to get started because those things are automatically included and, you know, installed. All right, let me skip um, uh, damn small Linux DSL and let's go to Debian because Debian is a very important distribution to discuss. We're not going to be using Debian in this uh, podcast series, but... I think it's very important for people to know, understand Debian. Let's click on that link and go to the Debian page in DistroWatch. You'll see it's um, Debian.org is the homepage. Look at the line that says Origin, Global. Debian is a true global distribution. It is not controlled by any one person, by any one company. It is a community distribution. It has worldwide volunteers it's been around a long time. Debian is actually the combination of two names, Deb and Ian. Ian is Ian Murdoch. He was a guy who started Debian a long time ago and Deb was the name of his wife and and so he came up with Debian. But Debian is a very important distribution for the community. It runs on a lot of different types of computers. For example, you know, your regular IBM PC Macintoshes as well as a lot of other more esoteric type of you know architectures is the word Um, it's it's it includes a ton of packages I mean a lot of software is available for Debian it's typically pretty easy to install packages it's not as easy to get things going you know to get things set up correctly initially but what's most interesting about debian is it has uh, spawned a lot of other distributions a lot of i won't say the word fork For, you know fork means a project that kind of forks off the road and and kind of goes its own way but um so they're not necessarily forks but but debian has created has spawned a lot of other distributions. In in other words, a lot of other distributions are based on Debian. They may add things, make it a little bit easier to get it installed, maybe perhaps make it easier for new users to get started. You know, they'll add their own own stuff to it, but a lot of different distributions are based on Debian. Going back to the homepage of DistroWatch, click back, both Mepis and Ubuntu, of the ones we've discussed so far, are based on Debian. Both of those are. There's a lot of others, but um, Mepis and Ubuntu are based on Debian, and the the whole community owes a big debt of gratitude to Debian because they've really pushed the envelope in a lot of ways. They've been there for a long time. It's a very important distribution to know about. Okay, a um, c- couple more distributions I want to point out, at least at this time, on the um, Distrowatch homepage. We just talked about Debian. The very next one down, Knoppix. Very quickly, the thing about Knoppix, the, the reason why I'd like to point them out is is they are also based on Debian, but that was probably one of the first live CDs created. Uh, several years ago, a German guy uh, created it, and it's been very important and very popular, and it still is, is used and enjoyed by a lot of people, and it really sort of started this whole live CD um, genre among Linux distributions. So... Uh, I like to point out Nopics just to kind of give it a, you know, a hat tip, if you will, because I do think it's very important. Um, Let me skip down a couple here to number 11, at least uh, today when I'm reading it, number 11, uh, Kubuntu. Now, Kubuntu, as you can probably imagine, is somewhat related to Ubuntu, uh, which is number one. And... I'm going to get to this again also in a few uh, episodes from now, but um, just for now, just to explain the difference between Kubuntu and Ubuntu is they both use a different desktop environment. A desktop environment is, this is one of the greatest things about Linux, I think. Linux is all about choice, and um, in, in the Linux world, there are different kinds of desktop environments that you can use. A desktop environment is what you see on your monitor when you're using Linux. You know, when it's, when it's graphical and you've got, you know, toolbars and the desktop and menus and windows and, and, you know, you click on things and pull down a menu and run a program. That whole environment is called a desktop environment. You know, when you use Windows, Windows, Windows has a desktop environment, and it's made up of different pieces. It's made up of the thing that runs, the little program that runs the taskbar, another little program that that opens and draws Windows for you, um, another little program that runs the desktop, you know, the background and stuff. So you kind of put it all together, and that creates a desktop environment. Now, that's different from a theme. In other words, you can have one desktop environment, and then you can use different themes. You can have different colors for the Windows or different icons or stuff like that. But but that's just the theme. That doesn't change the way the the whole screen works or the whole desktop works. In Windows, you only have one Windows environment. I mean, there's only one desktop environment available. That, now, there may be some third-party hacks, but but basically, you know, officially there's only one desktop environment, and that's Windows. That's what you look at when you use Windows. In Linux, you have, there's many different ones. It's really neat, and you can have, um, uh, different desktop environments and you can try them out. Um, and and the differences will be in, you know, how the panels work, you know, like the taskbar or how the, the file manager works. You know, the file manager is what you use to navigate through your files on the computer. In Windows, when you double click on My Computer, it opens up what's called Windows Explorer not Internet Explorer, but Windows Explorer. And I'm sure you're familiar with this. It will show you the C drive, and you double-click on that, and then it will show you the folders within the C drive. That thing is called a file manager. It lets you manage your files and browse your files. Well, in Linux, the different desktop environments have different file managers. The dialog boxes that open up look different in different desktop environments. And a dialog box is Let's say you've got Microsoft Word running and you click on Save. You know, a box opens up and it will, where you can click the folder and you can type in the file name and click Save and all that. Well, that dialog box, the equivalent of that in Linux, will look different based on what desktop environment you use. Those are just some examples. I mean, there's way more to this. And again, I may do an episode on desktop environments specifically, but for the point of just, you know, giving you this high level overview of Linux distributions, Kubuntu and Ubuntu use different desktop environments. The the two biggest desktop environments in Linux is one called KDE, and you can go to kde.org, and the second one is called GNOME, and it's actually called GNOME, you know, that hard G, like GNU. I just find GNOME easier to say, but um, GNOME was sort of, I think, initially started by some of the GNU folks and used some of the GNU libraries and things but um but KDE and and Gnome are the two primary desktop environments and I think probably I'd say KDE probably appears to be more popular or it's used more often than Gnome is Ubuntu number the number one listed there uses Gnome Kubuntu is just like Ubuntu except it uses the KDE desktop environment that's why they put the K in front of it for Kubuntu the K stands for KDE but other than that Kubuntu and Ubuntu in you know theoretically are exactly the same under the hood they contain the same packages programs kernels everything's the same other than the desktop environments and and the and the applications that are related to those desktop environments those would of course be different so And we're going to, again, we're going to talk about desktop environments later on and we'll show you, I'll show you the difference between them. But just for purposes of understanding what we're talking about here, that's the difference between Kubuntu and Ubuntu. And then the last, the, the, the the last one I'm going to point out at this time is one called PC Linux OS. That's a distribution that's based on Mandriva, which again used to be called Mandrake. PC Linux OS is kind of like Mepis in the sense that it's a live CD that can then be installed directly onto your hard drive, and it also includes a lot of those non-free programs like the Flash Player and Java and your graphics card drivers and things like that. So most of these other distributions do not include those pieces of software. So that is sort of an overview of of different distributions, and it's, it's not very detailed, I realize, and we're going to get more detailed later on, but uh, I just wanted to kind of give you a sense of the different types of things, the different types of distributions that are out there, live CDs versus, you know, non-live CDs. You know, about that, you know, SuSE, for example, the regular SuSE is not a live CD. The five CDs that I mentioned are, are you know, you would download and install onto your hard drive. SuSE does offer a live CD that you can also download to try, but then you can't install it on your hard drive. You then got to go get the other CDs and, and install that. So... That's one difference. But um, anyway, hopefully this little overview has been helpful, and you know, we're going to narrow it down as we go along uh, into just a couple of, of distributions that we'll look at. So with that, I think it's probably time to wrap up the show. All right, well, that's it for this uh, week, everybody. And uh, thanks so much for listening, and please do stay, uh, stay subscribed. Uh, also, uh, I, I really ask that you pass the word along, let friends and family know. Uh, I think this uh, podcast will benefit a lot of folks, and so I really do want to get the word out. Um, also, um, please go to the homepage, uh, www.linuxreality.com, and check out the Frapper map and put your virtual push pin there. Let us know where you're from. And uh, let me know what you think about the forums idea as well. Uh, You can send all email and audio feedback to linuxreality at gmail.com. And uh, I really do uh, look forward to receiving your feedback. So I appreciate you taking the time. The uh, closing music is a song called Sand Away by a band uh, called The Exotics. They are really awesome. I heard them on NPR a few weeks ago. Really enjoyed hearing them. uh, Sent them an email. I asked if I could play this song during the podcast. they said, go for it. They said uh, they look forward to hearing it. So thanks, guys, for letting me play the song. I, I sure do appreciate it. Next week, we'll talk about uh, some of the live CDs uh, specifically and uh, check out, check them out, look at the differences. We'll also talk about how to download those live CDs and burn them onto a CD-ROM so you can start testing it on your own computer. Uh, so please uh, do stay tuned for that. This has been Episode 4 of Murnix Reality. Thanks so much, everybody. Till next time, take care, bye bye.